G'day and welcome to the NRL Supercoach Chat Podcast. Jose here again and before the season kicks off in only three days, I thought I'd put together a little guide for those players that may not have played before or need a refresher course after a long off-season blindly made up of watching A-League, Big Bash and actually having to speak to your family. In this episode, I will take you through some of the basics, talk about some general tips and tricks to make sure you put your best foot forward each round, and I'll discuss some of the selections I've gone with this season until it all gets changed tomorrow on Teamless Tuesday or TLT. So you have $9.8 million salary cap, which sounds like a lot of money, but I'm sure you've realized by now that it makes it very hard to get all the players you want. You have to select 25 players in your squad, and then each round you'll choose 13 starting players, and we'll put the purple R on the four bench players you will choose as your reserves. Those 17 players will earn you points for that round, with the remaining eight players being your non-playing reserves. If one of your players in the starting 17 doesn't start for any reason, you'll receive the lowest score from your non-playing reserves. If more than one player in your 17 starting players doesn't actually play, you will still only get one score from a non-playing reserve, so keep your eye on team lists as the round continues. So where do you want to put your money? Well, you want to spend quite a bit of money on your front and second row forwards, spend money on at least one gun fullback and probably a gun starting half and 5 8 The reason why a lot of money should be spent on your forwards is that they're usually more consistent scorers, picking up stats from tackles, hit-ups, offloads, little points here and there that keep ticking over as they're on the park. Backs will rely more on line breaks, tries and assists to pick up points, which is where the big points are, but they obviously don't score as frequently as the big men. I generally spend most of my money in the front and second rows, at fullback, and in the starting halves, maybe a decent hooker, and then use the centre wing spots for cheapies once they're hopefully named on Teamless Tuesday. Now while we're talking about finding big names that you think will score you lots of points, if you haven't played the game before, make sure that you do your research about player values and last year's averages before selecting them in your squad, as sometimes big names in the game may not be super coach friendly. A perfect example of that is Cooper Cronk, uh, one of the best halves in the history of the NRL, who generally scored poorly in Supercoach. So let's get on to how you're going to make your money and increase your team value to try and afford a good amount of the best players by the end of the season. Remember, Supercoach is a marathon, not a sprint. It's crucial that you get some cash cows that will consistently keep your team value going upwards. These are players who start at a low price or have a low break even, and therefore have higher potential to make a lot of money. The players you choose as cash cows can really make or break your season, so make sure you keep your eye on any rookies coming through the ranks and also the break-evens of players throughout the year to see where money can be made. If you get Supercoach stats, you can access the break-evens for each player each round, or you can listen to this podcast for mention of players with low or high break-evens each week. Uh, But most of the Facebook groups also have a generous Supercoach who might post them each week, so get out there and see what you can find. Here's an example of how you can make some money. If you have a player who starts a bottom dollar, so about 170 grand, and they start getting consistent game time and super coach points, and the value increases to $420,000, and then it looks like his points are kind of evening out and he won't provide huge scores like the big guns, you could sell him at his peak and bank $250,000 to then use to upgrade another player in your team. This formula can be used multiple times across the season until you have more and more guns in your team and score more and more consistent scores. For cash cow forwards, just make sure that you find forwards who are going to get decent minutes on the park, as backs aren't generally interchanged and so their minutes will remain consistent. Backs score at a lower rate, yet have much higher potential for attacking stats, which bring the big big points and therefore big price rises. 
Uh, avoid bench forward cheapies unless they're bottom dollar or close to it. So stack your bench with cheap cash cows who will earn you money while your big names make up the points in your starting side. Remember, you only have to play 17 of your 25 players, meaning that the rookies can make cash on the side even if they're not scoring massively. Just as a guide, if a player starts a bottom dollar this season, they're priced at an average of about 18, meaning that if they get consistent game time and even average 30 or 40, they'll still make you decent cash. Prices at the moment are based on their average from last season. So if you didn't have Supercoach stats last season, you may not be able to see that. Uh, you can figure out the average that a player is priced at right now, however, by dividing their price by 9300 If you think they're underpriced because their minutes will increase this season or their role has changed, they might be someone you want to pick up. As the season continues, all player price increases and decreases are determined by what's known as a player's break-even. Now, I've spoken about break-evens a few times in this podcast, and if you're wondering what they are as a new player, it's essentially the approximate score they need to reach for their price not to fall or rise in value. Uh, They must play a minimum of three games, and each break-even is determined on a three-round rolling average. Here's an example. Very simple one. If a player's break-even is 80 and they score 60, their price will come down. If a player's break-even is 30 and they score 60, their price will rise. A low-priced rookie may start with a negative break-even after their second game, which means they only have to take the field and score any points to see a price increase. Obviously, lower the negative number, the larger the increase. This is why it's important to jump on the right rookies in the early stages as they have the most room to make large amounts of money, which you can then use elsewhere. So let's talk about trades. You'll be given 37 trades across the 25 rounds to adjust your team, which equates to about 1.48 trades per round. Trades are used for picking up players who are going well and getting rid of those who are not. Uh, You're limited to two trades per round, but then there's a super trade round between rounds 14 and 15 where you'll get to make five trades at once. A general tip for trades that I use is to make quite a few trades early in the season to make adjustments to players who you took a pun on before the season started and that haven't lived up to it, or to bring in cheapies that look the goods once they start playing. Then I usually slow my trading a little bit as I get a bit of a good rhythm with the players I've got so far until around the origin period when you're preparing for buy rounds and you might make lots of trades around there. If you follow that, usually usually you'll have a decent amount of trades in the post-origin run home uh, for injuries or maybe for picking up point-of-difference players, which are known as pods, to try and jump you up the overall ladder or potentially to buy players that'll match or differ from your head-to-head opponent, whichever format that you intend to focus on. A lot of coaches tend to make their trades before the round starts, I've noticed, which is what you needed to do in years gone by. Um, But over the last few seasons, they've had something called the rolling lockout, which means that you can make trades, substitutions, captain changes, right up until the players involved actually play. So my suggestion, unless you have a very busy weekend and you don't think you can keep an eye on things, is to leave your trade until the final moments. Uh, The team lists are named on Tuesday, but then they can change quite uh, dramatically between then and kickoff. So the latest team list is always confirmed an hour before kickoff. So find the updated list and ensure the player you're bringing in is definitely playing before making the trade. One way I find team lists is by following NRL Fantasy on Twitter, as they usually post both teams' team lists an hour before the game begins. And while you're on Twitter, you can also follow at NRLSCChat to get updates about episodes for this podcast and ask me any questions about Supercoach in general. Just thought I'd throw that plug in there. All right. So how do players get points? Well, 
Tries will get you 17 points. Try assists, 12. Try contribution, which is brought in last year, is four points, and that can be awarded to one or more players who may have helped create a try scoring opportunity. A goal is four points. Miss goal, minus two. Field goal, five. Miss field goal, minus one. Each tackle is one. Miss tackles minus one. A tackle break is two. A forced dropout or a forced scrum is six points. So that's good if you've got a, a kicker in the team. Someone that does the in-game in kicks uh, is always good for those sorts of stats. An effective offload is four points. Ineffective, two points. A line break, 10. A line break assist is eight. 40-20 is 10. Hit-ups are two over eight metres. And any hit-up under eight metres is one point. Penalty conceded, minus two. Error, minus two. Sin bin minus eight, send off minus 16. And new stats as well last season were kicks that go dead, minus three points. Holding up a player in goal is three points and an intercept is five points. You ideally want your players averaging over 60 points and your top gun should be averaging 70 or 80 points to be truly considered a gun. Anything over 1,000 is a decent score in the early rounds, but once you're able to get better players, you should be aiming for around 1,200 in a round where all your players are playing. You'll start to see as the season goes on some 13, 1,400, even 1,500 scores, but the latter being quite rare. Every week you'll choose one player as your captain and one player as your vice captain. Your captain scores double points. Your vice captain will score double points only if your captain is a late withdrawal or doesn't play for any reason. Now, there's a way that you can actually use this to your advantage, which you'll see spoken about all the time. It's a neat little trick called the VC loophole. If you put your vice captain on someone who plays early in the round and they score really well, you can actually captain someone that you know won't play later in the round so that your vice captain's points become your captain's points and get doubled. Now, there are a few things to consider with this, so make sure you use it wisely, and you might need to come back to this part of the podcast as the season goes on. Firstly, as I mentioned earlier, you'll receive an auto-emergency score because there was a player in your starting 17 who didn't play and and who you put the captain on. If one of your non-playing reserves ends up getting a six points, for example, this is what you'll get, uh, meaning the extra points your vice captain scored may not be as valuable when taking out another scoring player to be given six from a non-playing auto-emergency. The second reason is that at the early point of the season, some of the cheapies or other cash cows may have the potential for lower scores as they're not as consistent as your gun players. Therefore, you wouldn't use a loophole for anything less than a massive score, probably higher than 120 or so, depending on your reserves. Also, at this point in the season, you want to make sure you have 25 playing players in your team to maximise the amount of money you're making, so you may not actually have anyone to captain that won't be playing, unless you choose someone that might end up playing later in the season and you're saving a trade by starting with them. When the season goes on and people have more money, they're able to have a larger amount of gun players, and so their auto-emergency may not be as likely to get you a very low score, and therefore your VC points required for a successful loop usually drop as the season goes on. Thirdly, it'll also depend on the player you're taking out. Once you start getting better players on your team, it can be difficult to decide who to take out of your side to replace with a non-playing reserve to captain. A lot of the time, it just makes more sense to stick with the gun player you were going originally captain than to try and do the VC loophole. As I said, use it wisely and, you know, just for shits and giggles, put the VC on a player who has the potential to score 120, 130, 140 points. So if they go absolutely massive, it'll be worth your while. You can change your captain and vice captain as often as you like prior to the start of the round and during a round and rolling lockout. 
up until the time that your currently selected captain's or vice-captain's match has started. At this point, your selection is locked in for the round and cannot be changed. So let's talk about some of my selections that I've made. I'll quickly go through my team, and as I said, it'll probably change dramatically after I see the team list tomorrow, but so far I'm running with Coruscant and Braley at hooker. I've got Payne Haas, Martin Tapao, Josh Kerr, and Tanoa Brown from the Warriors. Uh, I've got Tamalolo, Kikau, and Papali as my starting second rowers, with Liam Knight, uh, Carrigan, and Koloa Matangi as my third uh, reserve for second row. My starting halfback is Nathan Cleary with Billy Walters uh, on the bench. Five eights are Sean Johnson and Matt Burton, who I'm assuming will get a bit of game time later in the season. My centres and wings are Joey Leilua, Katoni Staggs, Zach Lomax, and Jay Avarillo. That might change depending on lists. And my reserves on my centre wing are Bradman Best, who I think will get quite a lot of game time when he comes back. Greg Lalesiao for the moment and Dane Laurie, but I'm just trying to have them as placeholders until some more cheapies emerge tomorrow. And my fullbacks are Tom Trebojevic and Ryan Pappenhausen. So as I said, that'll change, but that just gives you an idea of where I'm going and where I'm spending my money. All right, thanks for listening, guys. I hope some of the info, tips and tricks in this episode are useful and that you get all the cheapies you've ever dreamed of tomorrow in TLT. I'll be back for a short episode later in the week once the teams are announced where I'll share my thoughts of the upcoming round, the cheapies named, and reveal my team going into round one, which, as I said, is subject to change 100 times before kickoff. See you next time.